Okay, Boker Tov, we continue our study of Nesivo Shalom, the Salonim Rebbe. I'm actually away this week, so no uh, full Parsha class. So this is our uh, Parsha learning formally and publicly for the week. Like, for, like 48 hours? Quick, quick right. trip. Mirz Hashem for a beautiful wedding and right back. You're on, it's official. That's okay. <laughs> so the uh, Salonim Rebbe is addressing, and I, and I feel like we may have done this piece, but it bears repeating because I find it so powerful and so resonant. Um, but then Siva Shalom, the Salonim Rebbe is dealing with the... Uh, I never stopped him before, hey, don't worry about it. <laughs> is dealing with the, the section of our parsha when Ephraim and Menashe appear before their grandfather for a bracha, and uh, there's this exchange between Yaakov and Yosef in which the hands are switched. So Yaakov, who in this context is referred to as Yisrael, which is its own study, one is Yaakov, Yaakov, one is Yisrael, the only of the Avos who, even after his name is changed, he continues to maintain his previous name, and each of the names reflect a different component. Yaakov is the more vulnerable, uh, the weaker. Yaakov is the individual, while Yisrael represents uh, the Jewish people in our glory, in our destiny, the greater Klal Yisrael, Bnei Yisrael, Yisrael. So in this context of giving the brachas, he's not doing it simply as a basar v'adam, as a man, as a father, as a grandfather, but rather he's a patriarch of an entire nation, of an entire people, who is bestowing this bracha and really presciently giving this uh, blessing, representing their destiny, their future. So he places his hand on Ephraim, who is the younger one, his right hand, and his left hand he puts on Menashe. He switched his hands. Why? Because Menashe is the Bechor, the right. We always give preference, precedence to the right. The right should be the greater honor on the one who is older. And so Yosef now corrects his father and he says, making a mistake, Menashe is the Bechor, Ephraim is the younger one. can picture Yaakov patiently, calmly says, Yadati, I, son, you think you're telling me anything? You think you're teaching me something? I know, relax son, I know. He says, relax, I know. I know what I'm doing here. Trust me. I'm, I'm in the capacity of Yisrael right now. I'm not in the capacity of Yaakov. Trust me, I know what I'm doing. And this one too. This one too, Menashe also will, will emerge to be a leader. But his brother, his younger brother, this resonates a lot for me. He's the smart one. He's the overage. He's the successful one. He can do the math problems at the shops. He's the Achiva Katon Yigdal Mimeno Vizaro Yamalea Goyim. Yeshlevar Bahayan Yana is a machlokis bein das Yaakov das Yosef. So, what exactly, and this is not the Salam Rebbe's Chiddush, uh, all the Mepharshim going back to the Rishonim and earlier, the Midrashim are analyzing what exactly is this debate between Yaakov and Yosef about who should get the premier position, the greater bracha. Anu Rom Shalomaros Divri Yaakov Yadati Bini. So with Yaakov's authority, and Yaakov saying, relax, I know what I'm doing, trust me, nevertheless the Torah feels it significant to publish Yosef's opinion. And the fact that it, it presents Yosef's protest, if it were insignificant, it would have omitted it altogether. And it would have just described the way Yaakov gave the bracha. Or it would have said that Yaakov corrected Yosef and said, don't worry, I got it. But the fact that it records Yosef's protest tells us there's significance to that position as well. He's referring to the Ne'arim. These young lads are Menashe and Ephraim. 
What happened to giving a bracha to Yosef? The other Shvatim, Yosef's brothers, all received brachas. Unusual brachas, right? We've spent a lot of time on that. Unusual brachas in the sense that it's much more criticism, some of it hyper-criticism. It's the Jewish view of a parent giving a bracha. is criticism. So here too, again, the Mepharshim explained, it is the Jewish view of a bracha. And it's a great Jewish view of a bracha. And it maybe explains our disproportionate representation in innovation and progress and breakthrough and Nobel Prize winning. is because our parents didn't just say, you're the greatest and here's a participation trophy and you're amazing and you're the best and anyone who doesn't think so, they're wrong and trust me. No, the Jewish way is to say, you have the potential for greatness and you have the potential to be the best. But here's what you've got to work on. You know, and, and the, if you look at these, Ruvain, you're impetuous. Ruvain, you've got to be a little bit more mindful of what you're doing. And right, through, he goes through each of them and he, he gives not a bracha of, you should have gezunt and nachas and parnasa and bracha vatzlacha, buha. He doesn't give a bracha, Yaakov Avinu, in that sense. He says to each one, you have incredible potential. Here's what needs to be worked on. And it's very insightful and very uh, instructive about what a real bracha what a real bracha looks like. So he gives it to the others, but he doesn't give one to Yosef. Yosef has been alienated, estranged. He was absent. He didn't get access to his father for all those years. You'd think that he'd be the first to get this affectionate bracha, and yet it's missing. And yet it's missing. Um, he bracha la'avos. So Ramban says very simply, you know what the greatest bracha a person can have is seeing their children be blessed. That's one's greatest bracha. If our children are the recipients of a bracha, if our children are um, given a certain destiny, set on a certain trajectory and path, what greater bracha could there be for parents? Okay, that's true. It's satisfying for a parent to see their children get a bracha, but that doesn't take away from the fact that the parent also wants a bracha. Live a long life, have good health, and so on. The key to bracha giving was in the hands of Avram. And Avram transmitted it to Yitzchak. And Yitzchak gave it to Yaakov. Yaakov did something even better than giving a bracha to Yosef. He gave him the key to brachos. He gave him the capacity to be the source, to be the bracha giver. It's interesting, we say Baruch HaTashem doesn't mean Hashem is blessed, it means He's the source of blessing. Oh, exactly. So you could say Baruch HaTashem means He made Him a source of blessing. Exactly. Rabbeinu Bachya says, and it's Kara Kemach, Baruch means Bricha, like a flow. You are the source from which Bracha flows. So just like, I'm making you a Hasid Rebbe, right? I'm, I'm knighting you to be the next Rebbe, that you will be the source, they'll come to you for the Brachas. I say, even better than my giving you a Bracha, your other, son, your other brothers, I'm going to give a bracha. They should have arichas yomim and gezunt and nachas and lekinder and v'chulei. But you, I'm doing even better. I'm telling you, you're going to be the rebbe. <laughs> you're going to be the one to give the brachas after me. That's even better than getting a bracha. Achen adayin kash lefizeh. Hemshech haposlik v'yomer ha'elokim asher hishachu avosay lefanav avram yitzhak. Hamalach ha'golosim yukari yivarachas an arm. She'en kan shum remez shemasar es maftech ha'brachas de Yosef. El bracha le'efrayim u'menasheh. So there's a question. So the Arachayim doesn't like the Ramban and gives his interpretation. The Slalom Rebbe doesn't like the Arachayim and of course is setting himself up now for his interpretation. Now the truth is it's not surprising to find that 
Yosef's children receive brachas and he doesn't necessarily, because his children take his place among the Shivtei Ka. In other words, Ephraim and Menashe, Kiruv and Mishimon Yeli. Rather than Yosef be counted, once you take Ephraim and Menashe, that's two, your, your number is off now about your, your Shivtei Ka. You're going to have to redo the t-shirt that lists all the Shvatim. So, Elamai, they replace Yosef. It's not that they're in addition to Yosef. Ephraim and Menashe, Kiruv and Mishimon Yeli, when Yaakov says, your sons, they have the status of not grandchildren, they have the status of children. They are beloved to me, precious to me. My relationship with them is such that they have the status of children. And they replace Yosef in that sense. And why is that? They're not replacing Yosef so much as they are themselves expressions of Yosef, is the interpretation of the Divrei Shmuel. That Yosef has two qualities, two approaches. Yosef lives with this dichotomy or this tension within him. Whereas each of the other Shivtei Ka have a defining characteristic. They each have a defining personality, a hallmark of who they are. And we could talk about each one, what that is. And Parsha Zavayichi is the Parsha to talk about it because Yaakov's bracha to them reveals to us what their hallmark is or should be. But Yosef doesn't have one defining hallmark or character trait. He has two. Sur Asetov. So says the son of Rebbe, Ephraim and Menashe represent these, these competing qualities within Yosef. On the one hand, he's withdrawn, he recoils, he's guarded, he's protecting himself from Sur Meira. He identifies the negative influence, he identifies that which can impact him negatively or a negative trait, and he is withdrawn from it, he's protecting himself. On the other hand, he's Asay Tov, he's running after it. By the way, this is a theme. If you learn Salonim as we have now for several months, Yosef Shalom has several themes in almost every piece. Somewhere among all the pieces on a parsha, he's going to reference Sur Meira and Asay Tov. Somewhere he's going to see this, you know, Reb Chaim had Tzvei Dinim and Echef Gavra. So the Salonim Rebbe has Tzvei Dinim in every parsha where there's a Sur Meira and Asay Tov. And he'll always also bring it back to Shabbos. And this is Bechina Shabbos, and this is what Shabbos means, and this is why Shabbos is the source of Gula. Those are the two themes you'll find in almost every, in every piece. This is who he is. So this is what he's saying, Yosef. Yosef has these, these both qualities simultaneously, whereas others are Asay Tov people. They're out there doing good, pursuing good, chasing good, with alacrity, enthusiasm. They're just grip it and rip it for good. Others are Sumerah. They're guarded, they're withdrawn, they're vigilant, they're mindful, they're intentional, they're excessively careful, they're sumira. Different people have different kind of personalities. We're, we're learning this on Wednesday mornings in Mesila Sasharam, where the Mesila Sasharam in his 12-step program towards perfection identifies this as two different character traits, namely Zrizus and Zahirus. Zrizus is the Asetov. It's you see something, go do it. Don't wait. Alacrity. Run after it. Pursue it. Be driven for it. Zahira says, whoa, 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 slow down. Before you go run after it with abandon, identify what are the things that are going to knock you down, knock you off course. What are the things that are going to cause you to fail? Right? So do you, you know, are you out there announcing like, that's it. I'm on a keto diet. I'm an Atkins. I'm never eating that again. I'm just whatever. Or I'm going to run a marathon my first day running. Is it the Asetov? I'm just, or do you say Zahiras? One second. I know that when I go to a simcha and I'm starving because I haven't eaten anything beforehand and I get to the shmorg, I eat the things I swore I wasn't going to eat because I think I was behaved that day, so I deserve it. I'm a zahiros. I'm identifying where I go wrong and I'm going to eliminate that. Which is the one? It's interesting that Ramchal puts which one first? Zahiros. Zahiros is before Zrizos. Because the Ramchal says, if you don't 
live with a sense of vigilance and caution and mindfulness, if you don't know what's going to cause you to fail, then, then before you get started, don't bother getting started because you're going to trip right over yourself coming out of the gate. So you have to know that there's a pothole five feet in front of the gate because if you don't see the hole five feet in front of the gate, you're going to trip right over it. You're going to trip right over it. It's like two ways to play golf. There are the people on the tee, they grip it and rip it. They don't look where the water is, where the sand is, how far the hole, they don't care. They think that they're Tiger Woods or the old version of Tiger Woods mm-hmm. and they're going to take out their driver, they're going to grip it and rip it. And then the people who, they study for a minute. Oh, there's the water, there's the sand, it's that distance. This is exactly how far I want to be from the hole. If I hit this club, that's the club I'm going to use. That's the difference between Zrizus and mm-hmm. Zahirus, a loose mm-hmm. definition or mm-hmm. metaphor for Zrizus and Zahirus. So, it just means that it's been a really long time since yeah. I've played and I'm, I'm itching. So, so Yosef HaTzadik has both these qualities within him. He has the Sur and the Asetov. So Menasha is the Sur How does Menasha derive his name? Ki Nashani Elohim es kol Amaliv es kol Beis Avi. What does the word Nashani mean? Made me forget. Made me forget. Now there's a lot we're not going to spend time on now that talks about, if you name your son, he caused me to forget. There's one thing I know you don't want to forget, you haven't forgotten, right? That's one thing I know. So there's a beautiful refresh who says, Nashani doesn't come from the word forget, but to be noshe, like think about Shemitah, is to have a debt, to have a debt. And he says, what Yosef is saying is, I thought that I was so bitter and miserable and everything had gone wrong, and that's why I ended up here but Hashem has a master plan, and I can't pay that debt back to Him. Even though I lost all of that, and I thought that that was my end, it turns out that I'm indebted to Hashem because He's put me in this incredible position. That's His creative pshat. Because you have to come up with a pshat. If you name your son, he caused me to forget good riddance, I don't need to remember them, I forgot them. My son's name is, I forgot and don't care at all anymore about my family. One thing we know, you have not moved on. Ephraim, so that's Surmeira. And Ephraim is Asetov, Hefran Yelokim Beretim. He caused me, Hefrani like Puru he's caused me to spread, to propagate, to promulgate. So he's the Asetov, he's going in the positive. So now we understand what was this debate between Yaakov and Yosef? Who gets the bracha first? In this context, so Yaakov sees Yosef, bnei Yosef, and he says, "Mi'ela, who are these kinder? Who are these? Sorry, who are these children?" So Mi'ela osios elokim, mora that when Yaakov asked but Yosef, Mi'ela, who are these kids that you brought? Which is a really strange question because supposedly he's been learning with these kids every single day since he got to Mitzrayim. He's really familiar with them and he really knows them well. So what is he asking? And could there be a less affectionate way to begin getting a bracha from your Zayda than who are these kids anyway? What's going on over here? Who are these kids? I visited someone in the hospital the other day. I think I'm okay saying this. I'm uh, recorded. They're not going to hear. But I visited someone... The, and, and after spending several minutes talking to the husband, who was the patient in bed, his wife, who, who may be understandably disoriented, her husband has been there for a long time, so after like five minutes in, she says to me, excuse me, I just forgot, which doctor are you? So I said, so-and-so, no, no, it's me, it's Rabbi Goldberg. So, oh, it's, I'm so sorry, it's Rabbi Goldberg. So don't be sorry, my parents would be so happy. <laughs> you confused me for being a doctor. You can't imagine how happy you'd make them, so don't feel bad. So in that context, in that circumstance, Maybe I told it to you. Uh, you said the was a oh, I said the So it might be, uh, it's understandable, right? She got confused. It's in the hospital, disoriented, different place. 
you know, different context. I was wearing that white lab coat, and I wasn't. So it might be, it might be confusing. But for Yaakov to say to his, about his grandsons, Mi Eila, who are they? That's a peculiar question. So Islam Rebbe says the word Mi Eila, or Osios, those are the same letters as Elohim. That Elohim is Midas Ayira. Yaakov Rosh, him of the Messiah, is Baruch, but Iker Midas Ayira. Yaakov Shah, Mi Eila, Madu Iker Avodos, Midas Ayira, Velo Midas Ava. From Midas Ava, he Gavoa Yoser. Yaakov is turning to them and saying, What's going on? These kids, they walk in, you know, their head is down, they're wringing their hands, they're living with Midas Ayira, Yira Sashem, Yira Shemayim. They look so uh, focused and intense and concentrated and fearful and in awe. And Yaakov says, Mi Eila, what's with all the awe? What's with all the fear? What's with all the neuroses? What's with, what's with all this Yira? Where's the Ava? Where's the love? Someone get me a guitar. Let's have a kumzitz. Where's the spirituality? Where's the love? Where's the affection? Tati, Abba, Dad, whatever Yosef called his father, you don't get it. You've had the luxury, not that Yaakov had so many luxuries in his life, but you've had the luxury of living in Canaan. You're living in Eretz Israel. You can walk around looking like that and acting like that. You could have a kumbaya kumzitz in the middle of the street, and you could have the pay is flying, and you can walk around the way, and you can live so freely in Ava and love. But you know where we are? We're in the heart of Mitzrayim. We're in the palace. I've been raising them with his foreign influence, foreign culture, foreign values, and if they're not guarded, if they're not filtering everything through Midas Ayira, if they're not living with a sense of awe and fear and, and the recognition that one wrong move, they could assimilate, they could integrate, they could intermarry, it could all be lost. Here, we don't have that luxury of Ava. Here, we walk around on eggshells. We tiptoe with Midas Ayira. Because we're in this foreign country, foreign land, foreign influences, so vulnerable, so susceptible, I've raised them in order to avoid absorbing that tumah that is contaminant all over and that is contagious. Therefore, I have tried to shroud them in a force field of yira what a great in order to protect commercial them. Commercial you just made for Aliyah. Baruch Hashem. <laughs> We've only heard Yosef's. We haven't heard Yaakov's side. We haven't heard Yaakov's side yet. So, so that's what Yosef is telling him. That, that's why you see this Yira, because we're no longer in Canaan, Abba. We're in Mitzrayim. And to survive in Mitzrayim with the Tumma, we have to focus. The is din viz dayan. It's not just love and love, and he loves you, and let it go, and he loves you. Is din viz dayan. Every step we take, the consequences are incalculable. Is din viz dayan. Every move, every change, every expression, every love, we're worried. He knows everything. If all we focused on was Ava, then they could collapse, they could crumble, they could fall, they could trip over that Ava. And by the way, we see this. We see people, we see holy Jews, who they're very focused on the Ava, they leave at the year. Ah, strict with Kashras, and strict with Shabbos, and strict with Halacha, and strict with the laws, and strict with the rules. It's all about love and just loving one another, and loving Hashem, and feeling love. And if you don't have the framework, if you don't have the infrastructure, if you don't have the foundation of a healthy yira, of a yira shemayim, all that ava will make you crumble. All that ava will, will fall apart. Yosef, Yosef, 
So Yosef survived, and Yosef persevered, and Yosef preserved who he was, never compromising his values, his identity, because he was focused on that era. What he communicated was that era. Yeah, there's room for Ava. Yosef didn't eliminate any Ava. They had Kumzitzes in the palace too. You know, they had they had Ruach and Rosh Chodesh in the in the in the palace. It meant which was the primary, which one was the Iker focus, which one dominated the curriculum. And in Mitzrayim for Yosef, that was Yira. Yeah, Ava's lovely and it's wonderful, it's empowering, it's enriching. Mm-hmm. But in that moment where you're tempted and where you're, you're overcome mm-hmm. by desire, by temptation that's ruthlessly pursuing you, what will make you persevere is isdim vizdayan. There's consequences. There's accountability. There's expectations of us to live with a sense of awe and to live with a sense of, of fear. I hate the translation of Yira as fear. I think it's very unhealthy. We did a Shabbat at Russia once for, like all of them, an extended period of time on defining, because I think that our community needs, the non-Orthodox community, a revival of a healthy dose of Yira Shemayim. Not in place of Ava. We still need Ava, and maybe Ava should dominate wherever geographically we are right now. Spiritually, we need Ava to dominate. But we need a healthy return to a little, a little Yira. But the Yira is not fear. There are different types of Yira. There's Yira Sa'onash, and there's Yira Sa'romamus. Yira Sa'onash is, I'm afraid lightning's going to strike. So if I do everything right, because if I do it wrong, lightning's going to strike, or my income is going to go down, or my health's going to fail. And that's a very, very tenuous way to have a relationship with Hashem. Because first of all, then if you do lightning dust strike, in, in however sense, you'll walk away because you say, well, I was a good boy, the lightning strike struck anyway, so what's the point of it all? Right? Or it's just an unhealthy, think of us ourselves as parents vis-a-vis our children. Our children can either follow in our footsteps and pursue our values and lifestyle because they're afraid, and when they're under our roof, often that's the case. I don't want to lose my device. I don't want to be grounded. I don't want to be put in time out. I don't want to be deprived of what I want to do. So they do what we do because of fear of punishment. But hopefully they mature, and what we as parents crave is for them to get to a place, not of Yeras Ha'onesh, but Yeras Ha'romos, that says, I'm in awe of the way my father lived, the way my mother lived. And I want my Shabbos table to look like their table. And I want to have the same schedule that includes learning like they did. And I want to change the world or be involved in leadership or volunteer like they do. Because I have such awe of who they were and the life they lived. I don't have Yira of my parents in the sense of fear you know, they get to a mature place that they're going to take away my, my device or turn off my cell phone, the Yira, a Yira Saromamus, I'm such awe of who they are and what they've accomplished and how they live their life, that that's why. So Gershbor who craves not our Yira of Yira Saonesh, although there's a, Rabbi Salanter is quoted as saying that Yira Saonesh is higher than Yira Saromamus, but everyone else, Yira Saromamus is higher than Yira Saonesh, that what we strive for, we aspire to live with a sense of awe of God's vastness, His greatness, to want to do the right thing, not because we're afraid if we do the wrong thing, but from a different perspective. Yira Saromama says, I don't want to disappoint the person in, I'm in awe of. Right? So our, we want our children to go from a place of, I'm doing the right thing because I don't want to be grounded or lose my device, to a place of, I'm doing the right thing because I never want to disappoint my mother, my father. I'm in such awe of who they are, their values, their lifestyle. I don't want to disappoint them. And that's what, and that's what drives it. So... Yosef is telling his father Yaakov, one second, Menashe Surmira, he's got to go first. This is Yira. And when Yaakov sees these kids at first, and he says, Mi Ela, who are these Kindalach? Mi Ela is Elohim, is Midas Adin. He's saying, What's with all the Yira? What's with all the awe and fear? 
Yaakov too understands the importance of vigilance and caution, and they have to tiptoe around a gullus. They have to realize that simulation lurks around the corner. And not only for the unaffiliated, non-observant community, but if we're not, if we're not living with a healthy dose of yira, then there's assimilation even within the observant community. Mary Torsky has a magnificent article online about that, about where we've become assimilated in our values. You could be keeping Shabbos and Kashos and learning the daf and going a million three times a day and giving tzedakah and doing chesed, and still American values and how we view the certain ethical dilemmas of the time, the mores of the time, and how we're living, we can become assimilated, if not in our practice, but assimilated in our thinking and values. And so that's how... That's how infectious it is. That's how, how, how it, it pervades, it's able to penetrate into us. Even when we preserve our lifestyle, doing the right thing, we can become assimilated in how we think. So therefore you need Yira to protect you. Yira is the, is the virus software on your, on your drive. It's to live with Yira, it protects you from that virus. So Yaakov says, I got it. I'm not telling you to scrap Yira. I'm not telling you to never give a schmooze about Yira, don't want to farm about Yira, don't live with Yira, don't recoil with Yira, don't be overcome with Yira with awe. I'm not telling you to not have any sense of Yira. But what I'm telling you is that if you're learning Torah, then you can afford to have some Ahava. Torah is enough of a protective force that you don't need to overemphasize the yira, then you can afford yourself some ava. If we would really taste the sweetness and the goodness of Torah, we would go crazy to run after it. When a person, whoever at their level, does taste the sweetness, you hear a geshmak tvar Torah. It's, it's, uh, you hear a phenomenal chakira in lamdus at a chabura. You see disparate pieces of Torah all integrated and come together. You heard five questions with one you sewed answered up. You learned some panemius at Torah or some chasidus that touched something very deep inside you and transformed you and lit a fire in you. When you have contact and access with the depth of Torah, the sweetness, the goodness, the transformative quality of Torah, you're mishtaget, you go, you, you're insane in trying to pursue it. Right? When a person is in the courtship with their wife, and they're all the, that, that wife, that woman that they're in courtship with, is all they can think about. They're, they're going crazy. It's just they're constantly distracted. They're daydreaming. They're thinking about. They're making plans for. They're devoted. They're running after. So when we taste the sweetness of Torah, that's how we feel towards it. So when you feel that sweetness of Torah... And it gives you that 
drive to pursue, to run after, to chase it, to daydream, to imagine the way the Rambam in Hilchos Yisodei Torah describes Avas Hashem, that a person is filled in Misava Taiva Gedola Leidas Hashem, and the Rambam there likens it to a woman. You're overwhelmed with a Taiva Gedola, the Taiva that we use in the negative sense of of this drive that's insatiable. So the Rambam uses the insatiable drive in terms of the pursuit of Torah. When you have the right contact and you feel the right thing from it, you have this insatiable appetite and drive for Torah. So if you have an insatiable appetite and drive for Torah, you're much less vulnerable to being knocked off course, and therefore you're allowed to able to de-emphasize the Yira and to emphasize the Ava. So when Yaakov sends Yehuda down and they identify a place they're going to set up as the Jewish shtetl in Mitzrayim, Goshen, Chazal say, what was Yaakov telling him to found first? Before the shul. And before, I'm sure there was a mikveh, of course, for their wives. But before, a base medrash. You need a base medrash. If we're going to survive there in the Gullus, if we're going to move to Mitzrayim, where there are overwhelming influences all around us trying to penetrate and trying to integrate and trying to transform us to assimilate, what will protect us is not Yira, not living walking around on eggshells, fear and neurotic and in awe and afraid. What's going to protect us is you got a Yikva Sham Makam Torah. Make a base medrash. Turn it into a Makam Torah. In a place where Torah learning is happening, it is transformative. Baruch Hashem, we've seen it in our community. The growth and opportunities of Torah learning for men, for women, families, individuals. When you're engaged, when you're involved in Torah learning, it changes who you are. It changes you not just for the hour that you're learning. It changes your day. It changes your family. It's brought back into your home. It's transformative. So Yaakov says, if you turn it into a Makam Torah, then we don't have that much to be afraid of then you could worry less about the influence of Mitzrayim. If you have a Makam Torah, then you could afford for the emphasis to be Ava. That's the difference. Do you want to live a Menasha lifestyle? Or do you want to live an Ephraim lifestyle? Are you walking around in eggshells afraid? Or are you going to conquer the world with love and transform things and, and with drive? Ephraim is Ephrani. Eretz on ye. Yes, it's Eretz on ye. But with a sense of Ephrani. Whereas Menasha is Kinashan Yelokim. With a sense of Yigia in Yerashamayim. Vazeh Amar Yosef al Avev. Lochei Navi. Kizeh Bachor. As it says, Before you can attain Chachma, the foundation of everything. Which is greater, Ava or Yira? That was a subject in that Shabbat with Russia, and then recently we got into it in our, in our Shasa Gishir on Monday afternoons and very early Friday mornings with Asedoch Elosase. The Ramban's understanding of Asei Dochelos Asei famously is, Mitzvah Asei are all Ava. How do you show Hashem you love Him? By going and buying flowers and cards and doing positive commandments and positive initiative. Whereas, Lavin, Los Asei, negative, is all Yira. How do you show that you are, have awe of people around you? You preserve their boundaries. You, you observe and you recognize and you respect what they've asked you not to do. So which one is greater, Ava or Yira? Says the Ramban, 
Ava asa docha losasei, Ava docha yira. You see that Ava is greater than yira. The Meshachachma reinterprets the Ramban. He says, not so fast. Asa docha losasei, Ava's docha yira. Why? Because that yira is not the classic yira of, of uh, rebellion. Asa docha losasei, because in that context, now normally the losasei is, um, don't do that negative thing, and if you do it, you're rebelling. But what if the very reason that you're doing that negative thing is an expression of Ava? Right? So if you tell your child you can't be on your iPad after 8 o'clock at night, if you are, I'm going to take it away. And then you walk into the room, and lo and behold, it's 8.30 at night, they're still on their iPad. But as you take it away, you realize, why were they using the iPad? Because they're still putting together that movie for your anniversary, for your anniversary party. And they've run out of time, and they're desperate, and it's coming from love, and they're doing it with the right reason. They're not Snapchatting with their friends, but they're using their iPad past the los say time you gave to fulfill the assay of honoring you at your anniversary party. So in that case, maybe that Ava is Docha Yira, because that Yira wasn't a Yira of merit of rebellion, says the Meshachachma. That Yira was a Yira of Ava. So that Ava is Docha Yira. But doesn't mean that standing alone, Ava is greater than Yira. Go look at the Meshachachma, how he reinterprets the Ramban. It's very, very interesting. And other interpretations about why Asa should be Docha Los and how it applies in, in Halacha, of which one is greater. But that Machlokas, which is greater, Ava or Yira? Which is the core? Which is the foundation? For every generation, and maybe in different places, in different cultures and climates and atmospheres, which one do we emphasize? Do we live in a world of Yira? Do we live in a world of Ava? That's the Nekudas of Machlokas. That's exactly the debate that's going on here between Yosef and Yaakov. So Yosef is turning to his father and he's saying, No, Kizabachor. You don't understand. You think you're teaching me anything that Yira Shemayim is the foundation? You think you're teaching me anything when you tell me that Reish Shechachma Yira Hashem? Who do you think taught you all that, Yosef? It was me. I'm your Rebbe. Yadati bini yadati v'ulam achiv hakaton yigdal mimenu shemidas avu Yosef gedola. Yes, the foundation is Yira, but achiv hakaton. His younger brother is going to outgrow him. When you're young, when you start out, you need a healthy dose of Yira. But the younger brother Ava is going to surpass him. So the Nikudas Machlokas is which is the foundation, which is the core, which one supersedes the other. But Yaakov's trick up his sleeve is I agree and I admit, I concede that year is the foundation. But why is the emphasis on Ava? Through the Koach HaTorah. When you have a Makam Torah, when you're engaged in Limara Torah, when you have a Torah community, then then you can afford to, to emphasize the Ava. So when can you have the Kumzits and the Ruchnius and the feel-good and the beauty and the meaning and the uplifting? and the When can you do that? When there's a foundation of a Makam Torah, of Koach HaTorah. But absent that foundation, that Ava is going to collapse. It's going to implode. You need a foundation of a foundation of Yira. So is it a geographical issue? Is it a generational issue? In our generation, we know the famous Rav Moshe, the Shreitz Zayin Yid, turns uh, Jews off in America. You can't say it's uh, difficult to be a Jew. You have to say it's wonderful, it's beautiful, it's magnificent, it's amazing. It's geschmack to be a Yid. Our children, our generation, they need to hear it's geschmack to be a Yid. They also need a little bit of Yerushimayim, a little less participation trophy, a little more, you're graded for how well you did, and, uh, and a little bit more Yerushimayim as the foundation as the foundation. We need the combination of them both. Ramosha Weinberger famously told the story earlier this year in, in some of uh, the debate he was engaged in on Panemia Satoro, and it really had a powerful impact on me, this story. 
about the uh, the young man who was um, who was really distinguished in his yeshiva for his excellence. He was one of the top bacharim in the yeshiva, and in the high shir and the apple of the eye of the rosh yeshiva. And he started slipping, and he started learning less, and he left the shir, and he was taking time from yeshiva, and he started going off the derech, and he was off the derech, and it hit a wall when his father found on his phone, which I don't know that his father should have been looking at, but his father found on his phone that he was listening to you know, evangelical preachers, you know, Rick Warren and, and uh, was the guy with his own XM station, um, Joel Osteen and all these guys, right? So the son was listening to this. So the father couldn't tolerate his kid stopping learning and going off the derech, but finding that he's listening to these preachers and pastors and as Rabbi Moshe Weinberg said, these galachim, that's what threw the father over the edge and he confronts his son. He said, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to Hashem? How could you do this to our family? How could you be listening to this? It's one thing to, to abandon what we have, but to be switching teams, to be listening to this, how could you possibly do it? And this Bachar, who was the, the excellent, most distinguished, accomplished Bachar, turns to his father and he says, you know, I went through Yeshiva Katana and I came to Beis Medrash and I went through all this Jewish education. And when I listen to these preachers, in every time they speak, they say something I didn't hear my entire Jewish education. They say, God loves me. God loves you. No matter who you are, what you've done, how you feel, it's never too late. God loves you. God has a vision for you, a mission for you, a place for you. God loves you. God accepts you. God wants to hear from you. God loves you. He says, I need to hear God loves me. I didn't ever hear it once. And that's why I listened to them to hear it, to know that God loves me. Oh. So we've reintroduced God loves you into the curriculum. The Gishmak to be a Gid. God loves you. You know, hopefully we won't go too far in the other direction. God loves you no matter who you are, what you do, and be whoever you want, do whatever you want to do, act however you want to act, dress however you want to dress, do what you want, because you, know, you can go in the opposite direction, that God loves you. Too much Ava, no Yira. Of course God loves you, but He also has expectations, and there's also accountability. Is Din Vizdayan. We need that healthy balance, and that's exactly the, the tension. That's exactly what's going on here. He continues in this piece, which we won't. Um, that's exactly this tension of where educationally and where in our homes and where even in our own lives for ourselves, how do we establish that balance? Yira and Ava. We need both, but which one is the one that should dominate and at which time? Maybe not even every period of our life or every day of our life. The answer could be different. It could fluctuate at different times, different generations, in different places. But that's the debate going on. That Yosef stops his father and says, don't you understand? This is the wrong... However, through the Koach HaTorah, you can afford to have a little bit more Ava.